0: our righteousness in God through Christ Jesus is concerned, it is simply defined as right standing with God. And self-righteousness is defined as righteousness within ourselves. And self-righteousness quite often is defined by stubbornness. Not willing to do what God wants you to do. Not willing to to submit yourself to God's will, not willing to allow him to work in your life, not willing to to obey his word, but wanting to do things the way you want to do them. And whether anybody else or whether God likes it or whatever, you want to do it like you want to do it because you think you're right and nobody else can tell you anything. But, you know, we have to realize that it's only through our self righteous our, our our righteousness in Christ that we have availability to God and as we go through this message i hope you will understand that i want to talk to you also about <coughs> about how we are oppressed by the devil sometimes you know we as christians are especially on the firing line of the devil because he doesn't want us to have a victorious life in Christ. He doesn't want us to be free of fear. He doesn't want us to be free of condemnation. He doesn't want us to be free of, of an inferior complex. He doesn't want us to be free of, of guilt. He wants us to think that even though we have received the forgiveness of Christ, we are still somehow guilty of the things that we have done. Now, when we receive Christ as our Savior, and we receive the righteousness of Christ uh, in us, doesn't mean necessarily that we're going to live a perfect life. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to sin once in a while, probably. Now, you might be like some folk, live a perfect life, but not very many of us can do that. But we are going to make mistakes. And God, the righteousness in Christ means that God has forgiven us, and these mistakes, when we come to him and ask his forgiveness, he will forgive us, and he will not hold it against us. So we have no reason to fear this guilt. So I want to talk to you tonight about those things. But there are some <coughs> some principles that I think we need to know about serving God. Sometimes we allow Satan to... to to push push us to the extent that we don't feel like that we have access to the power of God. But we always, when we are secure in Jesus Christ, we always have access to the power of God. And we can call that in when we need it. And be assured that you are going to receive a battle from Satan. There's going to be times in this life that, Things don't go right, and we live in a carnal world, even though we spiritually we are pure, we are still in a carnal body, and we experience things that come about that cause us problems, but we know that we have Jesus Christ in our hearts that he will take us through. Now, first of all, we must realize that the righteousness of God is a gift of God through Jesus Christ. We can't get it ourselves. We can't do anything to earn it. It's not possible for us to live a life that's fine enough to earn the gift of, of, of God. And so we have to realize that this is a gift of Jesus Christ. And <coughs> we have to know, as Paul wrote in Romans concerning the righteousness of Christ, as Paul was getting ready to go to the church of Rome and visit them, which he had wanted to do, but he, he got to visit him, but not the way he wanted to. But anyway, as he wrote to them in in the fifth chapter of his his uh, book of Romans, he said, "For if if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in the life in life." Through one Jesus Christ. When Christ came and Christ lived his life on this earth, he was sent by God. God sent his only begotten son. And when he died for us, he secured our salvation. How did he secure our salvation? He secured our salvation by shedding his precious blood on the cross. He secured our healing by his stripes upon his back and upon his body all over him. He secured these things. Isaiah promised that when he prophesied of the future, when he said he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquity, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Yes, we have Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and this is the way that we Gain the righteousness of God. The righteousness of Christ is different from our self-righteousness, as I explained, and we have to realize that. But we also have to know that when we follow the path of self-righteousness, there are penalties for that. Think of a man that we're all familiar with, I'm sure. His name was King Saul in the Old Testament. In 1 Samuel, we read where he displeased God because he took it upon himself to do what he wanted to do the way he wanted to do and, and try to get the result that he wanted to get. Well, we find out from the word that he didn't get that result that he wanted. He was going to face the Philistines one time in a battle, <coughs> and he was told by Samuel the prophet, to wait and Samuel would come and sacrifice to God and God would give him the victory. And he also told him, he said, when you go and you fight the Philistines, don't leave anyone alive. Destroy them all, not only the people, but destroy all the cattle, all the lambs, all the, the goats, everything, and don't bring anything back. So Samuel decided when Paul seemed, or Saul seemed to be late, the, uh, for the uh, uh, meeting that they were supposed to have, Saul decided that he would sacrifice to God himself, and only Sa- Samuel was supposed to do that. So Saul made his sacrifice, and he went out, and he fought the Philistines. And yes, God gave him victory over the Philistines. He came back, and Samuel was waiting for him. And Samuel said, Why did you disobey God? Why did you not wait and let me sacrifice to God and God would have accepted it? And Samuel said, well, it, it was just, you were just too late. And so uh, Samuel told Saul, he said, this is your problem. You don't respect God. He didn't say that in that, those words, but he, he simply, that's what he meant. And he said, here's what's going to happen because of that. He said, you disobeyed God in the sacrifice, and you disobeyed God after the battle was over. And the way he did that, of course, he disobeyed God in the sacrifice, but the way he disobeyed God in the battle was that he didn't kill everybody. He brought some of the choice cattle, some of the choice sheep, some of the choice uh, and other animals and brought them back to his, his kingdom. And he also brought the king of the Philistines back. This was a sign of pride. It was the the uh, custom in those days when a king went out and conquered another king was for him to bring the other king back and either cut his finger, his thumbs, and his toes off and make him eat at the king's table for the rest of his life or to kill him. And Saul killed the king of Philistines. Phil- The Philistines but listen what happened after he did that Samuel told him said Saul because you have done this and disobeyed God you are going to lose your kingdom you will not be king over Israel for the uh, continually your your sons will not be king after you and your throne will be lost There will be another, come and take your throne. And we know, of course, that was David, who was called a man after God's own heart. What happened to David's kingdom? God promised David a kingdom that there would be no end to. Why? Because he was was faithful to God, and he was not a rebellious individual, and he did not want to do things his own way. He wanted God's will in his life. And I tell you this night that when we want God's will in our life, that is the most precious thing and the best thing that we can want. Also, Proverbs 14 and 2 talks about uh, pride itself. And <coughs> Solomon, who was a king, a great king. You, you know Solomon. Who doesn't know Solomon? That's what I thought everybody did. But Solomon, he was very blessed of God. God gave him a tremendous blessing. First of all, he put him over the house of Israel. He was king. Second of all, he came to him and he asked him, what would he want? He, gave, he asked for wisdom, and God gave him wisdom, and he became the wisest man in the world. Also, God gave him riches, and he became the richest man at that time. But you know, Solomon didn't always follow God. Solomon began to marry women who were outside of the Jewish faith, he married, for example, in order to make a treaty between Israel and Egypt, he married the, the Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into his house, and he made altars for her to worship her gods by. And he began to worship those gods, and at the end of his life, he was not so pleasing to God. So Solomon wrote, the man with all the wisdom, wrote in the 14th chapter, the second verse, he said, There is a way that seems righteous to a man, but at the end thereof is the way of death. What does he mean, death? He didn't mean death like we die and be buried. He meant eternal death. He meant eternal death, not eternal life. Obedience to God is eternal life. Also, Jesus died on the cross, as I said, to redeem us, and that we could have this righteousness. 1 Peter 2.24 tells us that who in his self, speaking of Jesus, bore our sins in his own body, that on the tree that we, talking about the cross when he said on the tree, that we, being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye are healed, only through Jesus Christ. Christ is our substitute. Why? Because he loved us. How much did he love us? He loved us enough to die for us. You know, I'm convinced. Now, I could be wrong on this. If if I'm wrong, well, I'm just wrong. But I'm convinced that Jesus didn't have to come down to earth if he didn't want to. I'm convinced he came because he wanted to. He came because he wanted to fulfill God's will, for one thing, and he wanted to be the sacrifice for us that the Bible talks about in Revelation that was slain from the foundation of the earth. He wanted to. He loved us enough <coughs> that he wanted to come down and die and shed his blood and suffer on the cross that we might have salvation, that we might have righteousness in God. He came as our substitute. John 3.16 says for the for." <coughs> Pardon me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him... Should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world, but that the world might be saved. That's why Jesus came, to make us righteous before God. And so we read also in 2 Corinthians 5.21, talking about uh, Jesus, says, For he made him, God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Folks, when we we are in Jesus Christ, we are automatically righteous before God. You know why we're automatically righteous before God? Because before Jesus comes into our life, we're dirty, filthy with sin. But when Jesus comes into our life and we ask him to forgive us of our sins, he washes all of that away and he makes us pure and clean that we can face God just like Adam and Eve did one time before they partook of the fruit of knowledge of good and evil in the Garden of Eden. So we can stand before God pure through Jesus Christ after he redeems us. They also must know That righteousness is not for a selective few. We sometimes think that there's only, well, some people think there's only going to be certain people enter into heaven. And you know, I kind of think that too. Do you? You know why I say that? Only because people who have asked Jesus to forgive him of their sins are going to enter into heaven. So, Some people think you don't have to do that to enter into heaven, but I'll guarantee you when we get to the gates of glory that, well, I'll I'll say it this way. St. Peter's going to say, did you meet Jesus? Did you ask him forgiveness of your sins? If not, you go that way. If so, come in and enjoy life. That's kind of a crude way of putting it, but that's about what's going to happen because when we go before the judgment seat of Christ, what question is going to be asked? We We'll say, that some will say, God, didn't we cast out devils in your name? Didn't we heal the sick in your name? Didn't we do this and didn't we do that in your name? And what's he going to say? He's going to say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. But others, he's going to say to the sheep who have accepted Christ, he's going to say, enter in to the gates of heaven. So this righteousness is not only for our victory but this righteousness is for our salvation. Paul wrote to the Romans again in the third chapter, the 21st and 22nd verse, said, but now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, believing, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ and all on who <coughs> believe. God is not... A respecter of person, because he is willing that all should come to him. Peter wrote in the second, in Second Peter, said that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so <coughs> it's also shown in John 3.16 that I read or I quoted to you. The word says, for whosoever. Now, who is a whosoever? I'm a whosoever, and you're a whosoever. The man and woman walking on the street, they're a whosoever. They are the ones God is interested in, all of us. And God is no respecter of person. He wants us to receive him and come into his righteousness. Next, the righteousness of God we must be cognizant of is that the righteousness of God through Christ comes through faith. It doesn't come through any way but faith, because if we don't believe in him, we can't be saved. And so the faith that we exercise gives us that that righteousness that enables us to be in communication with God. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, Paul wrote to the Christian, said, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. As I said earlier, there's nothing that we can do, nothing that we can say that will get, make us righteous, but the grace has made it possible for us to come and ask Jesus for, to forgive our sins, and he will make us righteous. When we believe in Christ and confess him as our personal Savior, we are made righteous because, as I said, the blood covers us and replaces the unrighteousness that is in us with the righteousness of God. Romans 10.10 says, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made (coughs) unto salvation. Because of the cleansing of the blood, we're pure before God. Because of the purity through Christ, we can come directly into the throne of our Father. Hebrews 4.15 and 16 makes this very true talking of Jesus Christ the writer of the hebrews says for we do not have a high priest which is Jesus Christ who cannot be or cannot be touched by the feelings of our infirmities or as the new king james puts it who cannot sympathize with our weakness but was in all points tempted like we are yet without sin now here is my, what part of this scripture I like. It says, let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace that we may, may find mercy and grace and help in the time of need. Jesus came, lived for 33 years on this earth. He came, left his godly uh, being, his spiritual being, came in human form. He grew up as a child. He suffered the things a child would. He knew what sickness was, I'm sure. He knew what hardship was. He didn't have a lot of of comforts in life. In other words, he experienced the envy. He experienced the guilt. He experienced the fear. He experienced uh, all of these things that we sometimes allow Satan to put upon us. Some people say he didn't feel, feel those. But I say he did because if he didn't, he couldn't sympathize with us when we feel it. But I'll tell you what, when you come to the throne of God and you, did you know that when we pray, we are actually in the throne of God spiritually? We're standing here in church or we're in our bedroom, kneeling in our bed, or we're sitting at a table and praying, but spiritually we are in the throne of God before God. That's what Hebrews tells us right here. We can come in boldly before the throne of grace and bring our needs to him, and he'll supply those needs because he said another place in his word that he would supply every need that we had. He didn't say he'd supply our wants, but he said he would supply our needs. So Jesus is the formula to the self-righteousness or the, for the righteousness of God and these four things that I mentioned at the beginning of the, the message, fear, in, uh, uh, condemnation, and i <coughs> look over here. They left me right quick. When you get older, that happens to you. Guilt, condemnation, fear, and inferiority. We have no reason to allow Satan to cause these things to come into our life and cause us to not have the victory for fear and guilt are does not or or the Christian does not need to have fear and guilt now I'm not saying that if someone comes up and points a gun at you I'm not saying don't be afraid you'd be foolish if you did but we have to transfer that fear into belief that God will take care of us let me give you an example. This is a this is what I consider a real miracle. I have some well, Donna and I have some friends that live in El Paso. They are missionaries to Mexico. They've been down there, hmm, I think about thirty years, maybe no, about thirty-five years, I think, and they've established six or seven churches just south of Juarez, Mexico, and this they are. Members are are they work with the uh, Casas de Cristo houses of Christ building houses for Mexicans that are that can't afford to have houses, and they were <coughs> they were worshiping in a church in south part of Juarez, not one of the better parts of Juarez, and they were in the service and they heard shooting outside. So they all came to the altar and began to praise God and worship Him, and Joe Borntrager, my friend, he he was the the uh, missionary there. He was preaching or was preaching that night at the church, and two men came in from the church, and they told the people they they threatened the people and all that they made them get down on the floor, and so. Joe wouldn't do that. Joe said he just I just stood there and said so the man came to him and pulled out his pistol and he pointed it right between his eyes. He said if you don't get down on that floor I'll kill you. And Joe says I'm not getting down. He said to pull pull the trigger and the gun didn't go off. And the man couldn't understand it. So it frightened him and he ran back outside and they saw him shooting that gun at other people. Now, that's God. They came into the throne of grace. God performed a miracle that day. That doesn't mean he'll perform a miracle for us every day, but in that case, he did. And God's power is able to do all things, not some things, not a few things, not many things, but all things. He is able to do all things. And that's what Paul said. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. Faith goes along with our righteousness in Christ, and we're cleansed. (coughs) Paul also wrote in Romans 8 31 and 32. He asked the question when it came to this kind of circumstance. He said, What shall I what shall we say then to these things? Talking about trials and temptations. And believe me, the the Roman Christians were going through those trials and temptations such as we have never seen and I hope we never have to see. But he says, what shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? We serve the omnipotent power. We serve the who I am. We say we serve the great God of glory. We serve the God who created all things. We serve the God who can do all things and will do things for us. Paul also wrote, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengtheneth me. We can say as David did in Psalms 21 or 27 and 1, said the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? And, folks, when it comes to Satan, we can stand up and we can say, as David did, the Lord is my light and my salvation, and I don't need to fear you. We can positively say we don't need to fear the devil nor anything he can do to us because God is with us, and God will deliver us. Just like he did a man one time a long time ago called (coughs) Daniel. He delivered Daniel from the lion's den. We'll talk about that in just a minute, how he did that and (laughs) why he did it. But fear can torment us if we allow it to. If we allow fear, we allow uh, Satan to cause us to be afraid of what he can do. And don't get me wrong, Satan is powerful. And Satan, you know how Satan acts? Satan acts through lies, part part truth. He acts through propaganda. He acts through, uh, and he uses the word of God because he knows the word of God. He knows what has been, and he knows what is going to happen. That's why the Bible says he's working furiously because he knows he's had a short time to get as many Christians to go to hell with him as possible but (coughs) because we are we are righteous in Christ we never need to feel inferior to anyone or anything even to the devil the devil if we had to face him by ourselves we would really be inferior but through God and through his power and through his grace, we need not feel uh, inferior to him because God is our shield and God is our strength. God is our weapon. Romans 8, 16 tells us the spirit of himself, his, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God and the, and the children of God. Then heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We are the sons and the daughters of God. You know what that scripture says? Is really saying we are heirs, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. What happens if you are an heir of something? You are an inheritor of that estate or that fortune or that whatever that is. We are heirs, joint heirs with Jesus Christ, the very Son of God, and we inherit what God has for us. God is our king. God is our Lord, and we are partakers of that divine nature, and we have his righteousness within us. We have victory. 2 Peter 1 and 4 says, whereby, we are given a, a, we, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, by, that by these you might be partakers of divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. We are divine Christians. We are divine people, not physically but spiritually because we are the sons and the daughters of God. Because of the righteousness of Christ in us, our prayers will be effective. Our prayers will be effective. Did you hear that? God will answer our prayers. It requires a few things, though. Number one, Jesus told his disciples, He said, if, you be, "If my words abide in you and ye abide in me, what over whatever ye shall ask, ye shall receive." Now what's that telling us? It's telling us, if we need, if we know the Word of God, we live according to the word of God and according to Christ. Then we can come boldly into the throne of God and we can ask what we want or what we need. And when we ask what we want, if we are living in Jesus Christ and we have his righteousness and, and we're living accord his according to his word, we will ask according to his will and not according to our will. James tells us that if we ask of our own lust or our own desires, excuse me. Then we will not receive it. But when we ask in the will of God, we will receive. James also tells us that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. That means that we are, have power through prayer and our prayers will get the job done. I don't know about you, but I have faith in what God will do for me. 1 Peter 3.12 says, For the eyes of the Lord... Now, this is wonderful to me. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. What does that mean? That means that God is watching us all the time. He's watching us to take care of us, He's watching us to provide for us. His eyes are on us all of the time. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are open to our prayers. God doesn't sleep, God doesn't slumber. God's awake all the time. God hears us when we come to him. God hears us when we are driving down the highway and we, we come to an emergency and we pray right then. God help us. His ears are open to us. He hears us. God hears us in all emergencies. He hears us when we praise him. He hears us when we ask him for our needs. God's ears are always open to our prayer. Because we are the righteousness of God, through Jesus Christ, we can defeat the devil. All we have to do is appropriate that righteousness. It's just like it's just like, uh, well, for the lack of a better illustration, it's just like if there was a th- were a thousand dollars on that front pew and it was there and nobody appropriated it it couldn't be spent; it'd still be there. But if someone came across, came around, picked it up, and used it, they could they could spend it and they could buy something with it. The same thing with our righteousness in God. If we don't appro- appropriate that righteousness in our life and we use it and we believe in it, then it does us no good as far as defeating the devil. Oh, when we're righteous, when we ask God, when we ask Christ to forgive us our our sins. Yes, we're pure, we're clean, but we have to appropriate, just like the Holy Ghost. We can have the Holy Ghost dwelling within us, but if we don't allow him to lead us and guide us, then what's the use of having him within us? If we don't allow him to teach us the word when we read it, if we don't allow him to, to lead us to people and, and help us take advantage of, of testifying to people, what's the use of having him in our heart? All he is, he just stays in, we kind of combine him up, but we utilize him, we appropriate him into our lives. And we do that same thing with the righteousness of Jesus Christ, our righteousness of Christ toward God, and our faith in him. Put those two things together, and we can and will live a victorious life in Jesus Christ. Now, I have one more thing to say. I guess two more things to say. Ask yourself this question. Do I have the righteousness of God in Christ in me? Am I righteous before him? If you can say yes, wonderful, that means you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. But if you can't positively, absolutely, without question say that, that means you need to ask Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins and obtain that righteousness in God. <coughs> so I'm going to leave you right there. You know, you know. I probably everyone in here has the righteousness of God, but I don't know what's in your heart. That's between you and God, and it's up to you. And if you don't have the righteousness of God in your heart, then get it by asking Jesus to forgive your sins. Father, thank you tonight for the joy that we have of serving you. Thank you for the privilege that we have of being called sons and daughters of God. Thank you for the privilege we have of having access to your great power. Thank you for the privilege we have of coming in to your throne room and bringing our needs and our desires and our praises before you. Thank you, Father, because you are our king and our Lord, and that we know that you will always be with us and we can count on that father we ask that you guide us and direct us as we go our ways this week father help us that we can utilize that sweet holy spirit who dwells within us who gives us power as the word says you shall receive power after the spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me in jerusalem judea samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the world that means witnesses that we can be when we allow the power of the sweet Holy Spirit to move within us and guide us to those who need you and prompt us and help us to witness for you. Father, ask these things in Christ's wonderful, wonderful name. Amen.